The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson joins us with Corn Belt Marketing. And I, Sam, I wish sometimes producers could hear our conversation leading into the Final Bell because it's always unique and interesting as we compare, you know, what we're seeing in the Eastern Corn Belt to the Western Corn Belt. No surprise, though, wet continues to be the theme everywhere. Yeah, and, you know, there might be a few more, a few extra bleeps in that conversation <laughs> than our normal one, I guess, but... Yeah, you're right. I mean, this, this market's continue to work higher. Obviously, grave concern here for the 2019 corn crop in terms of just, you know, getting it in the ground, and then we'll still be debating that thereafter, um, you know, whatever we can get planted. So at this point, uh, you know, with, with the nation having only been 49% planted, slowest pace since 1980, you know, the, the major risks become South Dakota, Illinois, Ohio, Indiana, you know, these, these places that are well behind. But not only that, you know, six... 62% of the Missouri crop was planted. You know, how much is left? You know, I mean, these are the issues that, you know, unfortunately we're going to have to use to decipher here the rest of the year uh, in terms of price discovery and, you know, even just operation by operation. You know, a lot can change in the next three or four weeks, and it could be the difference of just a big issue or, you know, a complete black swan event. You know, I wonder how long until we really start to see that bean versus corn attitude start to work its way more into this marketplace because we still have a lot of corn that needs to go in the ground and as we know beans haven't moved hardly at all yeah and and they've, they've moved well off the lows but you know it, it, it was almost like the producer may have not even felt that because we recovered so much last monday after you know trading down into new lows and then basically 50 or 60 cents off of it now so we never really felt it it wasn't there for very long um, it still feels like you could chase this bean market higher, but just by getting the shorts out. But the you know, market had a challenge today. Uh, there was some more talk about aid payments for beans, uh, two dollars a bushel, or, and without details on that, you know, beans went from you know five to ten higher to, to you know five to ten lower, uh, just on the fear that hey, if late as it is, you know, hey, two dollars a bushel is eight fifty plus, or excuse me, ten fifty plus beans. Uh, what's that going to mean for the marketplace? Well, shortly thereafter, they have made a statement that payments won't be based on. You know, this year's production and shouldn't impact planting. But when the headline reads what it reads, it still impacts prices nonetheless in the short term and doesn't add, uh, you know, any help to price discovery. There's a lot of what ifs going into the rest of this this week's trading sessions. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and still the biggest one is probably, you know, what if we don't get into the into the field, you know, by June 15th? Uh, what if the weather forecast straightens out? Uh, you know, what if we can't get the beans in too? <laughs> you know, so you name it. Uh, you know, the thing that I see here is, you know, with the forecast that we're continuing to look at, I think what we've got to be aware of is just the, would we have 115 million or so acres that still need to be planted as of Sunday? You know, it just takes so long to get that in the ground under normal conditions and to think that, you know, what data are we going to be knocking on the door of if we're still going to try to, you know, get that whole campaign in? Because the guys can't get into the field to, to get this crop planted, are you seeing some movement of old crop out on the selling market? Uh, a little bit. Um, I would say there's been a little bit more of a willingness to, you know, let go of things, uh, especially if basis was set at really good levels here. Now we're finally starting to see that crack. I think we lost about a nickel here in our central Illinois market today. I think uh, east-west you're going to see a little bit of a backing off there now because of that, Susan. But I think we've seen probably more willingness to do it in, in a place like Nebraska because if there's any state that is close to being normal, it's there. You know, compared to here where a guy's not sure if he's going to get his 2019 corn crop in, 
and is seriously considering maybe just hanging on to his old crop and maybe taking some government money or you know figuring out things from here forward um but the emotion is always something that comes into play there and i think the realist and all of us have to kind of come back down to earth and realize, you know, what were we just looking at last Monday? What could the market still do? What's the, you know, pie in the sky opportunity? And what are my needs here for the next, you know, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days? And put yourself in a position where you can, you know, more or less win no matter what happens. Well, Sam, there was a lot of discussion last week when we were in Washington, D.C. about Prevent Plant. And were we going to see a pickup more eastern part of the Corn Belt and what we're seeing, for example, in Nebraska. But you go just north, you look at um, the Dakotas, you look at even a little bit east into Minnesota and Wisconsin. There's not a lot of movement out there either. There isn't, and I think that's where we probably stand to have a greater risk as a percentage of seeing that take place. And the reason I say that is because these are areas that tend to, you know, compared to us in central Illinois, mostly anhydrous is all put on in the fall. You know, some of these areas where they're used to side dressing, they're used to wide drops, they're used to some of these other practices in terms of fertilizing and feeding the crop. Um, you know, who wants to try to squeeze in, still putting in on hydrus and planting now at this point? So maybe a little easier to walk away from it, but even there, it gets to a case-by-case situation where, you know, do you own your ground? Do you rent it? Uh, what kind of input costs do you have on it? If you rent your ground and you've got input costs out there, you know, you may already have 400 bucks an acre out there, 350 bucks an acre out there, um, and, you know, it's a break-even type of deal to take that. To take that, And in those cases, if you can plant corn late and price of corn is 410 to 4 and a quarter here, uh, you know, does that still work for a guy on top of it? If, if it does fail, uh, most people's APHs have been built up pretty high here over the last, you know, four or five years. And the insurance route at least gives you the harvest revenue option as opposed to prevent plant, which just gets you a check and, and you move on with your life. Do we see a lot of pencil pushing conversation not only between the bank or the producer and their commodity guy? Uh, I think so, especially this week. I, I think you started to have those conversations here 10 days ago, um, but we were still in a situation, well, you know, there's time, things could change. At this point, you're getting it to be too late in the game, and some of these precipitations amounts are just so widespread and so heavy that it's just painting a picture of, you know, you know, sh- you know, show it to me. Show me that we're going to get a chance. Um, so I think a lot of that's taking place. You know, you get into uh, Eastern Corn Belt, I've seen a lot of really high attendance levels for some of these prevent plant meetings. And it's good the guys are, you know, understanding their options uh, that they have and, and what it's going to mean to them. And, of course, closely watching what happens in, in the discussions in Washington with trade talks. There's so many factors that are really being dumped into this year's planting season. There is, and, you know, again, we continue to talk about aid payments and what possibilities we might have there, but I don't think there's very many people out there that want it anyways. And if this is just posturing, you know, it's, it's still kind of messing with uh, the market a little bit, at least in the short term. And, you know, we'll see if anything happens at the G20. But at this point, the, the market's focus is, is has, you know, re-centered onto, onto weather and, and away from the Chinese trade deal. Because whether we have a deal or not, if you don't get, you know, 6 to 10 million acres of corn in. Stick around. More is coming up. It's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Sam Hudson's joining us today from Corn Belt Marketing. We kind of dove into the grains. I'm wondering, though, Sam, as we look at the livestock side, I'm just talking livestock in general, are they reacting like you think they should be, considering where we're not at in the planting progress this year? Well, I think the challenge you have right now, uh, I mean, the first one that comes to mind would be the feeder cattle market. You know, we saw a complete collapse, uh, you know, after, what, the third week of April there, um, and, you know, after being way oversold and look, what looked like we had made a low, uh, you know, with this corn market resurfacing, it feels like, you know, you've got a little bit of that 
kind of knee-jerk reaction there. And I still think long-term big picture is going to hinge on, um, part of it's going to still hinge on trade, but, you know, what, what is this pork market going to do? You know, and we still have this issue, you know, worldwide that affects the U.S. and everybody else, that if we have to kind of replace that protein in, in China, what's it going to be replaced with and how long is it going to take for it to really, you know, take effect, I guess. And we just haven't seen it yet. What we need to see is the bull spread start to lead the way. Another problem that we've had, too, is with this wet weather continuing, I mean, since October we've been fighting this. And it's still one of these situations where who, who is really raising their hand and real antsy to go out here and get a bunch more cattle so they can throw them out in a big, you know, puddle of mud. Um, so I think if we can finally dry this forecast out, you know, at least find some stability or some known value here in the corn at some point here in the next 30 days, one way or the other, um, you know, maybe these, you know, values in the, in the livestock market continue to kind of stabilize at least and maybe even grind higher. It still feels like to me like we could see some higher prices. But as it sits today, we had funds that got caught long and now they're looking for a reason to, you know, remain on that side of the cart. What about getting your feed um, contracted? At this point, is it a wait and see, considering everything that's going on, and not like you mentioned, not a lot of cattle being put into those feedlots? Yeah, I think that's definitely part of it. I mean, who who was sitting here last Monday morning saying, "Oh, this is where I need to buy feed for the next four years"? Maybe there was that guy, you know. But at that point in time, we just come out of a really bearish crop report. Um, we still had the prospect or time of getting crop in, even even though everyone was already upset that the market wasn't reacting. And we just kind of baked all that in. So no one really, you know, we finished four higher that day. The next day we gapped higher and left that breakaway gap on the chart. So it didn't really allow a ton of time to get all those needs covered because at the time we didn't realize how bad this was really going to get. You know, some of those maps were being circulated around social media and stuff like that, but it hadn't come to fruition. It hadn't been proven. And now it has. And you still have some wet conditions here in the forecast. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I just don't think a lot of guys probably got enough of it booked in. It's never enough when you see a rally like this. And... I think in a lot of these markets right now, everyone's just maybe a little more or less trying to catch their breath, trying to figure out which way to jump. And I think what we've realized uh, specifically in corn is there's probably an artificial uh, floor in place at this point because, so, you know, we're so far down this path. Um, but where we top out is still left to be left to be seen. Are we going to see the cash on this cattle wait till the end of the week or are we going to start to get some niblets here and there? I would think you're going to wait. I mean, who's going to be anxious uh, with what we've done in price on, on both sides of it? But, uh, you know, if you haven't seen some sort of life by Thursday, you know, I, I wonder if you're in for another flat week. Okay. Proteins in general, I want to kind of from a consumer perspective, nobody wants to st- be standing by a grill. Heck, producers don't even want to be standing by a grill in this kind of weather. What ill effects are we going to see in the weeks to come because of the wetness we've seen this spring? Well, as you mentioned, I mean, the the start to grilling season, I mean, where are we at here? we got Memorial Day weekend, right? you got three-day weekend coming up. Um, We're already there. Uh, Then pretty soon you're going to be, you know, into June and looking at the 4th of July. And, you know, if we stretch this out into, you know, another two, three weeks, you know, how much of that, like as you said, is going to impact demand? And I I can't really put a number on it. I can't, you know, try to sit here and guess at that. But it's not going to be helping the cause by any means. Um, still think, you know, the biggest windfall you could have would be in the export market, but that's kind of still big picture long term. It's not going to affect us too much on a week-to-week basis. And a continued spread of African swine fever once again to another Chinese province. Yeah, and that's, you know, this continued concern here. You, you just hope that within the next three months and, you know, before the fourth quarter or at least into the fourth quarter of this year, we can have that contained. If it is, you know, you, you think about how this could play out. Maybe we send this year's corn prices a little bit higher, attract more for 20 uh, 2020 corn acres, not only here, but around the world. And if we fix ASF by then too, uh, and we don't have a great bean crop this year in terms of yield and, and planted acres and, and, you know, so forth, 
uh, you know, how it almost makes you wonder if there's a lot of downside in the 2020 bean contract if eventually we need to kind of see all boats rise in high, in, in high water. Well, considering all the elements, both grain and livestock, that are feeding into the way the markets have been trading as of late, as you talk to a producer, what type of advice are you guys giving them through Corn Belt Marketing to be able to focus, keep the emotion out as much as possible, and move forward with a good, strong marketing plan? I would say at the top of the list was the basis situation. You know, we knew that that was going to be independent of price. We knew that there was going to be risk on that, regardless of whether we went sideways, lower, or higher into June, July with the carryout that we've got. Um, and at this point, you know, that, that looks like a, a wise decision, but part of that's only because of how far we've come here in the market now. And at this point, I don't know if you can, you know, strengthen that basis up a lot. Uh, I think I would say it's still possible, but you may have to get out in August and realize how much of this new crop that we lost and the commercials are just trying to come after it now because they're afraid they're not going to get full. And I think you could really see that happen in the Eastern Corn Belt. I think that's why it's, it's really hard to be bearish basis too much, uh, with the current look to it without having hardly anything in the field. Um, and therefore, at this point, you just got to kind of keep an eye on where the future price is. For folks to get a hold of you, Sam? 800-655-3380 or cornbeltmarketing.com. And that's the Fontenelle Final Bell being brought to you by Fontenelle and all the local dealers on the Rural Radio Network.